a preacher. I consider myself a learner. <laughs> and I'm going to try and give you something that I received t- tonight. Um, but, Tom, would you come just for a second? Read that verse there. This is Matthew 10, 11 to, tw- to 12. Yeah, yeah I'm enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm trying to focus without my glasses. Has anybody got a pair of glasses? No, they're in my bag. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) They're in my bag. It's all right. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a wealthy person and stay in his home. No, that's worthy, not wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) I like wealthy better. Let's start again. <laughs> Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. Yeah. Um, could you put your glasses on? <laughs> Look... I respect this church enormously as a praying church. I just think you're amazing. And I think in many respects you're almost unique. And I I cannot tell you how much I honour your pastors and you for the way you go about being Christians. And... As, like, I've been praying for this weekend for a month. And, like, seriously. And I'm not sure whether this is a prophetic word or not. So take it as a submission. All right? I feel like as you continue praying that God's going to begin speaking to you, if he hasn't already, about church planting. That verse is a... Can you say strategy? A strategy. It's a strategy. A strategy. A strategic verse. If what I'm saying is prophetic. Prophetic. Um, Many years ago, we decided to plant a church in Coffs Harbour. Do you understand that? Four men fasted and prayed and then drove to Coffs. We didn't know what to do, so we gathered in a park and just waited on God. While we were praying, God spoke to some one of us. We know that now in hindsight. And we had a vision 
of the railway station. Did you get that? Yeah. And not knowing what else to do, we drove to the railway station. Fighting away here. And so four men began wandering around a railway station um, and if you had been a railway employee, you would have gotten quite suspicious. <laughs> In the end, like people said, what are you looking for? We said, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And in the end, I knew somebody in Coffs Harbour, a young lady who was running a Christian bookshop. So we went to the parcel office. You don't have those anymore. We went to the parcel office and I said, can I have a loan of your telephone book? Telephone book. Yeah. The problem was that it was tied by a string to the wall. And so the fellow said, if you tell me what to look up, I'll find it. I said, I'm trying to find the number on the Christian bookstore in town. Thank you. <laughs> it's great. This is the first time some of you have asked any money for ages. What's he talking about? <laughs> Tully, you help me. If it needs repeating, you listen and say it for me, please. And so he said, all right, and he began to look up. And the number behind us, a lady said, a voice, a lady's voice, said, I know where that is. And we turned around and there's a little lady and she said, what do you want to know that number for? I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, well, why are you here? I said, we want to plant a church. Then <laughs> 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 poor, poor lady. And... She said, really? We said, yes. She said, tell me more. So we told her everything we knew. It sounded like this. We want to plant a church. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I'm a Christian. My husband is one of the doctors and we own, a, apart from 
the practice, we own a banana plantation. She said, how long are you planning on being in Kontama? I said, I don't know. (laughs) 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 Why would you listen to somebody who knows so little? (laughs) And, And so she said, would you like to come back to our place and stay there for the night? We said, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, we did. Two of us stayed in the house. That was nice. Two of them put up um, uh, monks. Monks. M-U-N-K-S. <laughs> this is going to be a long message. <laughs> they put up I'm going to smell every word. <laughs> I can preach myself happy here tonight. And, uh, and, and so too stayed in the packing shed. We stayed there for two nights. You should have seen the expression on the doctor's face. He wasn't saved. When he came home and found four strange men (laughs) in his house, he said, what are you doing here? (laughs) You know what we said? (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> Read that again. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. That's what happened. Only on one other occasion has that happened to us in another church that we had a hand in planting. And I won't go into that. We not only got a worthy person, we got a wealthy one too. (laughs) And... I've, look, I've dismissed this word about three times so far. But I feel that because you, you don't just pray, you listen. It's far more important what God says, not what we say. And because you listen, I'm submitting to you if he hasn't started already that he's going to begin speaking to you and someone is going to have an idea and when you ask them what they mean they're probably going to say 
Oh, no. <laughs> but it'll lead you to a town or a city or somewhere where somebody says, come in here. We want your welcome in this place. And it'll be a sign for you that that is where God is going to help you serve him and plant a church. That church today has got 600 people in it. And now it's not one church, it's three. And it all came about when four men went to a city, prayed, and said, come on, we've got no idea what to do next. It's like this. Here's another way a church was planted. This is Acts 16, 9 and 10. Come on, enthusiasm. <laughs> that night Paul had a vision, a man from Macedonia, Macedonia, sorry. Macedonia is a nut. It's a nut. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece is was there standing... Is somebody else that would like to read this? <laughs> Try again, from the beginning. <laughs> all right, are you all listening? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. I deliver this word to you not as a pressure or an expectation, but as a part of your adventure. <laughs> I hope you heard that. How do you feel? Good. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe it's going to inconvenience you, the word, because there are so many other things to do, and you're going to prove that there's enough money for everything. <laughs> I so believe in you and this church. Um, my heart is full of expectation for how you're going to take what you've got and spread it out. Yeah. You've already done that in your lifetime. It's like you're going to do it again. Wow. You know, I have a little message and like I say, I'm a learner. 
I think learning is one of life's great excitements. And especially when you learn something from him, from God. Truth is amazing. And maybe I can show you to set the scene this little video clip. So if we can dim the lights, we can show the video clip. That would be good. Wow. That to me is the defining moment in the whole story of Les Miserables. Miserable. And it sets a scene for what I'd privilege to share with you for a couple of moments. I counted a great privilege to have David MacDonald as one of my greatest friends and mentors in life. And for three years, I followed him around, writing things down so I could learn leadership. And I would learn more of his throwaway lines than his his actual teaching. One day he said, just as a throwaway, he said, we choose, we should choose life and death, not rights and wrongs. And Tilda, if you come and read the classes. This is Deuteronomy 30.19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, which is rights and wrongs, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choices, choice you make, or that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And so here God lays out before every human being a path of life and a path of death. How do you choose the path of life over the path of death? We're not talking about being born again. That is one choice to walk on the path of life. But a path is an extension of a door or a gate. It's something you walk on sometimes for a long time. What is the path of death? What does it look like and how can I avoid it? Over my life, I've seen the clash of these two paths and mostly... I stick to the path of life, but sometimes I detour to the path of death. What is that path? It's the path of rights and wrongs. Let me illustrate. When we were young pastors, David and MacDonald with Tarmi. I was at Port Macquarie. Port Macquarie. 
Thank you. Uh, Kevin and I weren't called Harbour. John Deere wasn't uh, Gloucester. And we gathered for a family camp at Crescent Head. Crescent Heads. COC in those days had a big tent that seated 500 people. 500. Yeah, 500, yeah. Uh, it went everywhere, and we put it up at Pleasant Head. Nehemiah was the guest speaker, and to set the scene for you, I looked at Neil and Clark, being a bit open here, and David, as kind of mushies. Bushy. Bushies. Yeah. Bushies. Yeah, bushies. Bushies, like on the bush. <laughs> Unsophisticated. <laughs> Whereas I considered myself more of a blue collar. No, a white collar. A white collar pastor, not a worker, a professional. <laughs> and when these people started to run this family camp, I started to get disgusted. Neil Meyer found a pair of scissors and started cutting off all the rat tails. From the teenagers. <laughs> no hair and wet tails. Snip, snip, snip. I looked at this and thought, the man's going crazy. That's not going to do any good. You know what I was really saying? That's not right. And I began to filter everything I saw through the filter of rights and wrongs, not what brings life and death. Anyway, that afternoon, this really big wind came up and the tent started to lift. There were people around the tent with sledgehammers trying to keep the tent on the ground. Was anybody else but me there? Were you there? No. And so, after a while, this huge wind, this gust, gust, gust. came up and blew the tent up like a, a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for the overhead power lines... <laughs> 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 it may not have come down till our swings. <laughs> I looked at that tent on the ground with live power lines and I said, great. 
First we're snipping off rat tails. <laughs> then we're going to electrocute everybody. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how can God be in this? It's just going from bad to worse. Well, after one night stacked in the surf club, and then my wife, my first wife, got a toothache that could have crippled an elephant. No sleep that night. I woke up in the morning like a man with a sore hand. All I wanted to do was go home. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? Anyway. And we had to find, we had Sunday to go. And we had to find another venue. Well, there was a condemned... There was a condemned... Picture theatre. Picture theatre. Even the termites had left. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, they let us in. Well... When they started the plays and the worship, this whole picture theatre was going up and down. And I thought, great. First we're snipping off rat tails, then we're going to electrocute everybody, and now the building's going to fall in on us. A caretaker was living on the top story. And it, the whole thing, as we danced, <laughs> the whole building was going up and down. We later found out that the caretaker, his furniture began to move. <laughs> All across the floor. And he had one foot, one, one hand on the table, another foot on something else. And with his last gasp, he reached over and turned all the power off. Can you hear that? Yeah, power off. Turned all the power off in the picture theatre. And where we were, everything went dark. Well, by that time, this, this camp was so excited and thought we were being attacked by demons. <laughs> <laughs> and the roar that went up and the dancing and the jumping and the rebuking of Satan <laughs> became too much for the fellow upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and he flicked back on the lights. <laughs> we thought we'd had such a victory, we all started to dance again. <laughs> Take that, Demo.
by this time, I am so disgusted, <laughs> so angry, so... And I'm the pastor of one of our churches. <laughs> and all I can say to my wife was, let's get out of here. <laughs> Just as I was about to storm out of the building, this lady from the back row ran down the stairs. Now, this was a sight to behold <laughs> because nobody had dressed for church where I camp. You had tiny little short <laughs> a tank top. Tiny shorts and a tank top. Pretty undignified. <laughs> and you know, you might know in some picture things, you've got to take one step, one step, one step. You know, whoever designed those steps, I'd like to meet him. <laughs> anyway, this lady starts to leap down the stairs. Not only that, but she mounts the platform. <laughs> and then she starts... <laughs> well... My white collar was getting seriously worked over. <laughs> Until... Neil whispered to her something and she whispered something back and he said, this lady was born without hip sockets. That's, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> Holy mackerel! I haven't got a fish in there. <laughs> I had the whole farmyard after holding. You have never seen somebody repent so fast. I thought, dear God, I thought this was out of control and the only thing that was ungodly was this. Because everything I saw, everything I experienced, I filtered through the filter of rights and wrongs rather than asking, is this, is this bringing life or death? And if you'd been there, you'd have said, this is alive. Wow. Can you see, for a moment, for a weekend, I had chosen the path of death? Two trees in the garden. One the tree of life. The other tree is a 
knowledge wrong, good, right, evil, wrong. And as soon as Adam and Eve ate from that tree, God said, quick, get them out of there. Otherwise, they will be choosing and living by rights and wrongs for the rest of eternity. Kill them so that they can be raised from the dead and come back to life again. Can you see that? If they had stayed in there, they would have had this internal battle between life and death, between life and death, or choosing right and wrong. How are you coming so far? <coughs> Recently at a prayer meeting, did you get that? Prayer meeting. In Sydney, we heard that a foster agency in the respectable suburb of Castle Hill had 50 requests a day to place children, a foster agency. Did you hear that? Yeah. 50 requests a day. That's 250 a week. That's 13,000 a year. If abortion wasn't bad enough, now we become like people who get a puppy for Christmas and take it back in January. My goodness. Lord Jesus, my Lord. Can you hear that? Yeah. Listen, what's our response to that? My first response to the 41 million babies that are murdered in our mother's wombs is outrage. Yeah. My response to the 13,000 a year that we're parents and giving away their children is outrage. Yeah. But then I have to work out what to do with my outrage. Will I picket the agency? Will I, will I go to war on the basis of rights and wrongs? Or will I go into the presence of God and do what Jesus did that day on Calvary. Father, all of those mums, all of those dads, all of those broken families, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh God, if you don't know what to do, don't go for right and wrong 
There's plenty of them everywhere. Go to, go to work brings life. Yeah. And forgiveness brings life. Yeah. I'm sorry for my voice. I deeply apologize. I wish I could speak better and more clearly for you. But this is one of the greatest messages and lessons that I've ever learned in all of my life. Tell the daughter, now my beautiful daughter has three children to three different fathers. In the, in the privacy of my own heart, I would criticise her. And then when it got too much, I'd criticise her to her mum and to anybody else who would listen. She was wrong. She shouldn't have done that to her children, to her mother, to her relatives, to herself. She shouldn't have been wrong. And there were some days I just wanted to spank her until her bottom bled. So angry with her. Why? Because I'm caught between my response of life or my response of right and wrong. So at the end of my battle, End of the battle. At the end of my battle, we spent a quarter of a million dollars. A quarter of a million dollars. Building a home for her when she got sick of sinning and she and her three children needed a home in a loving environment. I can tell you, it was a very long and difficult battle. And if you're in the middle of a battle like that, it's okay. Keep going and God will help you choose life.